The Guardian. Welcome to Reach and Frequency, uh, The Guardian's advertising podcast about uh, advertising, media and everything that goes around it. We're both here from the advertising department. My name's Adam Foley. And I'm Imogen Fox. And this is our first podcast, isn't it? It is, yeah. We thought we'd make a podcast about podcasts for our first podcast. So it's a podcast podcast, which is a bit meta. Yeah, it is a bit. But I think I think we're allowed to do that at The Guardian, aren't we? Because... Tell me. We invented the word podcast. So they say, right? So this is in 2004. That's right, yeah. And uh, Ben Hammersley wrote an article for us about that and coined the word. And then we did the Ricky Gervais, Steve Merchant and Carl Pilkington. That's right, yeah podcast after that so so we invented podcast I, I think you can google that and it's not bullshit <laughs> maybe um but it's also been it's been a quite mad year for podcasts as well hasn't it yeah can you remember any stats about it i could read some stats so i think when you look at our biggest podcasts which are football weekly and today in focus um they've gone up 70 percent and 77 percent respectively it says here which is <laughs> which is which is huge isn't it why do you think that is um, well, aside from the fact that obviously editorially they're brilliant, um, I think it's probably because podcasts have gone a bit mad this year, haven't they? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was reading something by Shante Joseph in an article by The Guardian Labs, actually. Shameless plug. <laughs> um, and, um, and she was talking about how just because it's been such a weird year that um, having a regular voice in a podcast in quite an intimate way, like it's quite an intimate form of um, media, isn't it? Like mm. just kind of listening to that regularly, it's quite comforting and people have really needed that kind of stuff in 2020. Yeah, I've, I was reading an article the other day. It was about um, Louis Theroux, because you know Louis Theroux's done those podcasts for the BBC, Grounded. He interviews people like um, uh, Gail Porter and the, the Boy George one is really, really good. It's well worth a listen. But I think it's because he, he couldn't make his documentary, so he's interviewing people. And what he said about them was that... Um, it's incredible how um, candid people are about their kind of frailties in a way that they're not normally, I suppose. You know what I mean? I suppose, yeah, because I suppose on his documentaries normally they're just a bit more, even though they're kind of unguarded, there are other people around that are going to say, actually, don't say that. That's shh, shh, shh. Whereas if you're doing a podcast like, like now, nobody's telling you to show up. There isn't anyone. <laughs> finally. Unfortunately. Finally, we can say what we want. Because of that, um, you know, people feel they can kind of connect and share and they feel closer to the people that are being interviewed. And I definitely feel that's been the case for podcasts and me during lockdown. So we've probably reached the limit of our expertise about podcasts in this conversation. I think we have, <laughs> probably. Yeah. So we thought um, we would uh, try and venture out, sort of venture out, to get a, a bit more um, a bit more expertise on the subject. So when I say venture out, it wasn't really, was No, it? it wasn't very far at all. In fact, what we did is we just, um, we've got some experts in The Guardian, so we thought, let's ask them. Yeah, so we went to, um, well, you went to meet Max Rushton, didn't you? I did, and he is one of the hosts of um, Football Weekly, and he told me uh, lots about making Football Weekly in lockdown, gave me some expert tips, and you went and met Anush, couldn't you? I did. Well, I, when we say we went and met, we, <laughs> we, we sat in uh, in rooms in a kind of strange circumstance, which will become clear, but yeah, Anushka told me a bit about how to make a podcast during lockdown and also revealed a little bit about how she predicts the future. Launched two years ago, uh, Today in Focus has become a firm fixture of our readers' mornings, with more than 5 million people tuning in in October. 
Anushka's hosted a wide variety of guests on the show, including George the Poet and Benjamin Zephaniah, and boasts an impressive track record of predicting the future. So, Anushka, I was listening to the interview you did the other day with Lawrence Douglas, who seemed to have been one of the few people to accurately predict Donald Trump's reaction to the US election results. It was uncanny, wasn't it? It was really uncanny, although I think when we suggested that he had done it because he was psychic and he joked about a crystal ball, he actually just said, if you listen to what Donald Trump says, he basically told you exactly what was going to happen, which maybe is true. Yeah, not enough people probably actually listening to what Donald Trump says. <laughs> it's kind of, and talking of predicting the future, when you first started um, hearing all about coronavirus, did you still think you'd be sitting in here, wherever you are, until the end of November? Oh, my goodness. When we first heard about it, not at all. And I remember we had conversation after conversation about it. First, it was a virus in China, and we did a piece in January. I think Rachel um, Humphreys actually presented it with Sarah Bosley, and it was very much about... COVID-19 in China and we would discuss it and I remember I think I once said the thing that we all know is so not true now isn't it just the same as flu you know are we over worrying about this and then it got to Italy and it was a bit like hmm this is a this is a little bit more concerning and I remember talking to Peter Beaumont um, one of our reporters about what was happening in Italy and that became quite alarming and I always remember this moment where Sarah Bosley in Guardian Conference so we were very much still in the building all standing in that room said I think this is it. I think we're at a tipping point and the world is about to change. And I have to say, even the week that we were all packing up to come home, and you'll remember it as well, which was so, I think discombobulating is probably the right word for that. Um, And I I, I was kind of, I remember actually being in tears at times because I couldn't kind of process what was going on. I don't think any of us realised how dramatic it was going to be. I mean, we're now talking about working from home until April next year. And, you know, maybe the vaccine will bring things back to normal, but it feels like a very, very different reality. Can you just talk through a little bit about how how you best record a podcast from your bedroom? Well, listen, what have you got when you're a podcast as opposed to, say, the morning typical radio stations? One of the things that you've got is that you offer really high sound quality and sound quality has always been really, really important to us, both in terms of the audio that we collect and the actual listening experience to myself and our guest or multiple guests depending who they are and so we were suddenly you know scrambling to work out how do you do this at home I had a decent mic I've actually improved my mic since the beginning because it had a tiny tiny hiss on it which listeners may have noticed at the very beginning and and you need to try and make it sound a bit like a studio and the initial way I did that which I know is the way a lot of people did it was to literally put a duvet over my head And I did that for about four months. So every time I was recording, I would just pull this duvet over my head. Although occasionally I'd have to suddenly do something and said duvet wouldn't be there because it doesn't belong there. And I remember being like, I've got to do these lines. I've got to do these lines. It's kind of eight o'clock at night. I really need to get them over. And I remember running into my kid's bedroom and my boys were both asleep on the bunk beds and they were so fast asleep. I just whipped one of their duvets off ran back stuck that (laughs) over my head and did my lines so yeah slightly cheekily although right now I have finally come up with a solution that I think is really pretty cool I'm like in a corner and I have stuck on my wall audio foam and I've got one of these old like hanging rails and my husband's flung a duvet over that and I've got myself a little armchair and this is now my little home studio 
Very impressive. So, <laughs> uh, but so you've been doing today in focus for two years. So a third of that, I guess, has been spent doing it from from home now. So apart from sort of child duvet theft, is there any other way in which you've you've had to adapt um, that, how the show works and how you prepare for it? Oh yeah, loads of ways. So for a start, we're on Zoom or Google Meets continuously because this is probably more so than any other journalistic job I've done before absolutely a team game like everything we're doing is in groups so we have our big meeting in the morning with all the producers but then we have planning sessions that can be two to three hours long with producer exec and presenter then we have editing sessions which we often do as groups and the producer will share their screen so I can literally watch the edit as it's going I think that's something that we only sort of realized we could do a month or so in and that made a huge difference so there was all of that and then just adjusting to life at home I mean I've got three boys and at the beginning me and my husband were both working pretty much full-time and we didn't have schooling and like like for many other people it was just an absolute nightmare like it was for so many of our listeners and so I think in a way there was such an empathy wasn't there between us and everyone else that we're all going through this together I mean I'm in a really lucky position and it's ended up being absolutely fine and you know we've sorted a lot of things out so um I can't complain now I think the one other thing I would say is really interesting is we were laughing in one of our team meetings about personality types I'm a bit obsessed with this I always love doing that Myers-Briggs is it called Myers-Briggs oh yeah yeah the the personality test and I'm a real like extrovert and by extrovert not not extroverted as such in the normal sense but in that I get all my energy from group situations so I love kind of group meetings and ideas meetings and stuff like that and some of my colleagues are a bit more kind of they prefer to work on their own they they need their own kind of space they prefer you know they get more energy when they're kind of working solo and they said to me this experience of you being at home now on your own is like we feel when we're in a big busy office and I thought it was really interesting to see that how much this suits some people and is difficult for others. Have you been into the building at all uh, over the last nine months or so? It's quite an eerie experience when you you see it although everything's almost got like police tape over it even the table football. I mean really eerie really different just getting into the building feels like a completely different process you see a few people scattered around but nothing like the buzz that you'll remember as well Adam when we were like hanging around at the coffee station, sort of grabbing your lunch, you know, crowding into the canteen, having those kind of morning meetings every morning. And we used to do them on these two little sofas where we'd all be like crunched up together, you know, giving people hugs, (laughs) you know, just small things, being allowed to sit next to somebody. I mean, yeah, you go in and it's a ghost town. Um, For the people listening to this who are advertisers, who look after brands, podcasting connects with people in a way that maybe radio doesn't as a background listen. Do you have any advice for advertisers and brands about how it's best to to make that connection? Any kind of do's and don'ts? One of the things is to look at a a product like ours and ask, do you chime with it? And if you do, then I think there are kind of exponential benefits to that. If you can find brands which really do chime with what we're doing, then my goodness, our listeners are taking that in. And because we have a very loyal listenership that comes back to us day in, day out, the, the brands that kind of stick with us and who have sponsored us, for example, tend to get heard a lot. I mean, I, I think you know this when you listen to other podcasts, don't you? You kind of know who sponsors them. 
where values chime, I think it's really good. And where they don't, it's also fine. You know, people are just kind of normal consumers. One question I'm going to have to ask, and um, I'm not sure how you would answer this, but are you going to miss Trump in a way? <laughs> um, I mean, he definitely provides amazing material. There is, that is unquestionably true. You know, it's interesting because we're not like the BBC, are we, in that The Guardian sits in a position in terms of its values that is quite clear and therefore people come to us for values driven journalism I, I feel very very strongly that we never we are never biased in that we try to understand everyone's points of view on our podcast but inevitably our listeners feel very passionately about some issues and I suspect I might be wrong but I suspect that a majority of our listeners were not huge fans of Trump even if they enjoyed listening to um, what he had to say or listening to what other people had to say about him and as much as it has been good for the media I think the excitement to listeners like that of a new administration and of what it might mean for America is as exciting and so yeah sure listening to Lawrence Douglas who's obviously a law expert tell you about how the election was going to go the red mirage the blue shift and how Donald Trump was going to have a hissy fit and not concede is fascinating but listening to Evan Osnos from the New Yorker who we spoke to about Joe Biden and about his life and what that means for what type of president he would be was actually our absolute standout episode and got more listens than any episode we've ever done. So journalistically, I'm sure that people will miss Trump to some extent, but there is a huge amount of kind of interest in the next administration. And I'm going to just guess here, just a guess. I don't think Donald Trump's going away from the public sphere. Anushka, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's been great to, to hear from you and brilliant to see how Today and Focus has managed to thrive during coronavirus. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. Hi, Max. Hi, Imogen. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, now, I can see you, yeah. but nobody else can. So tell the listeners exactly where you are and what you can see. I'm in what I call the studio, which is actually just the spare room. And behind me, this is where I've been doing Football Weekly um, since lockdown. And it's got an emergency uh, lockdown exercise bike, which was the cheapest one, yeah. which feels like it's falling apart all the time, but has has kept me in some sort of physical condition. And behind that is my wife's artwork, which is all of Australia, which is her way of hinting that she wants to move home in artistic form. <laughs> and what I can see is you with a duvet on your head. Well, that's because this is the most professional way to record a podcast at yeah. home, I'm told. Absolutely. And and I hear that today in Focus, the more professional of The Guardian's podcasts, uh, Anushka, the host of that, she does it with a duvet on my head. Football Weekly, less professional, no duvets on heads. Much less professional. So how, how, I think that's true. And how do you do it? What's the mechanics of it now these days? Um, I mean, I think we thought it would be really difficult and it'd be really stop start you know like zoom calls with your parents where one of you's on mute and you can only see half their head <laughs> and everyone's talking over each other but actually it's it's in a way it's helped us because it's enabled us to talk to more people in more places so like Sid Lowe who we only ever had on a terrible phone line from Madrid on a train or something cutting in and out we can now do a whole hour because his sound quality is just as good as you know, mine or Barry's in his flat in Brixton. In fact, I've got the worst Wi-Fi of everybody. So so in a way, it's it's 
it's funny because I think when football stopped, we were slightly worried about what we would do. Mm. But it gave us a chance to A, be a bit nostalgic and go back and watch. For example, we watched, you know, the, the 86 game where Marad, you know, Maradona's two goals and um, and we watched that back and then we talked about that game and we'd all had totally false memories of that game. Football lies to you all the time. <laughs> and so it's quite good to do that. And then and another thing we did was like talk to our panellists who've obviously been doing the podcast for much longer than I have. And so listeners know them in a way because they hear them talking about football every week, but they don't know anything about them. They don't know how they ended up in the position where they're sitting in their spare room under a duvet talking about football. So we found that really good. And, and, and what was really nice I think was that listeners seemed to really engage with that and seemed to really enjoy it and then when football came back obviously everyone was desperate for just anything to be happening and so we were in quite a fortunate position to be able to talk about that I mean I must admit when every game and it is again is on live it means I have to watch every game of football so much football that yeah. like eventually you could be over footballed but you know previously when no one else had seen more than five minutes highlights of Burnley v Crystal Palace. I could get away with only watching five minutes of Burnley v Crystal Palace. But now if people have seen 90 minutes of it, I have to see 90 minutes of it. So you're forced to work harder. Well, well, we're forced to work harder, yes. And also something I have learned from my wife and my friends and listeners is you are not allowed to complain, quite legitimately not allowed <laughs> to complain about being paid to watch football. That is not, it is not a job. Let's be clear about this. For a while, my Wi-Fi was so bad that I would have to, I record my podcast. I've got a sort of fancy microphone and I record it onto an SD card. I didn't know what one of them was in March, but now I have a very good understanding of SD cards. My Wi-Fi was so bad that to send that file to the producer would take like three hours that it was better for me to cycle, cycle the podcast to the producer's house <laughs> and then cycle home. So, so that sort of negated the point of, you know the ease of Wi-Fi, but I've yeah. got that. I've been I've upgraded. Oh, and that good. That has made it. That really has made a difference to my life. So, do you think you'll ever go back to the studio? That's a really good question. I don't know. Um, there is something about being in the room together, yeah. which 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 does make a difference. Like a really key part I always find with any show is like before the show, it's if it's a TV show, or a radio show, or a podcast, whatever you're in the green room or you're just chatting before the show, you're getting relaxed. As long as on the Zoom, you don't just turn it on and go, hello, welcome to the podcast. You chat about, you know, your love life or what you've been doing in lockdown, which is nothing like everyone else, and just that kind of stuff. And then you sort of casually start. You have that kind of feel. And I think once we worked out a discipline of, if I'm droning on and one of the panelists just sticks their hand up on the Zoom call, you can just point and go, yes. So, it's probably not for me to say. It's more for listeners to say whether it sounds seamless or not. But I think uh, part of me thinks we might do a mix. Yeah. But like we did a we did a podcast about mental health, and one of our one of our panelists, Marvin Sordell, was in the Maldives. We did one on the Saudi Arabia bid for Newcastle United, and we had a professor in Singapore. As I said, you know, we've got Sid in Madrid, Archie in Cologne, and we've been able to use like Guardian writers up in Manchester and Liverpool that we've never had on or haven't had on in the last three four years more than a phone call. And, you know, I suspect the panellists are like, when am I on? Nine. I've got to be ready at a minute to nine, not get the train to King's yeah. Cross. I think part of me thinks we, we'll keep it the same. I, I, 
I don't know. So why do you think podcasting has obviously gone um, crazy over lockdown? Why do you think that is in in terms of like, you know, there are other things to do during lockdown as well that don't involve going out. But why podcasting in particular, do you think? That's a good question, because I think we all thought, I think a lot of people listen on the commute. So when the commute doesn't exist, you might think, well, that's kind of gone. I think part of it might have been that podcasts were growing anyway. Like in the last few years, they've grown exponentially. Yeah. It's sort of embarrassing to say it like this, or maybe it's giving it too much credit. In my experience, like TV is the least intimate of the mediums, right? You don't right. really feel you know the presenters. You just kind of, it's kind of there. Radio is more intimate, I think. Yeah. But podcasts, I think, as a medium is, is the most intimate of those because the people who, p- listeners have actively chosen to download it. They have selected it rather than it just happening to be on. And I know that happens with on-demand TV and, and you know, there is, obviously people can change their radio station. But like, for that reason, I think it, 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 it has an intimacy. And I think in lockdown, a lot of podcasts, whether they were about football or the news or politics or comedy, people were listening to panellists and presenters that they knew dealing with the same thing that they were dealing with, right? Wherever they were mm-hmm. in the world, they were dealing with this lockdown and this weirdness and, you know, us going, here we are in our rooms doing this, this is weird. You know, they could empathise with that, right? I think that really resonates with with listeners to think, oh, we're all doing this. And, and we got some really, you know, you got some really nice messages from like people working in hospitals here and in the States and all over the place saying, you know, this is the sort of, I'm working in ICU or whatever, and this is a 50 minutes of just sort of escapism for me or whatever. And, and that is, when you hear those, you think actually, it's worth doing this. We, we are, we're not key workers, but in a tiny way, we are a force for good, hopefully. Yeah, so I think Robert Abel, who heads up a podcast team, um, he describes the difference between radio advertising and podcast advertising. as podcasts like the voices in your head. You have to be respectful of that, I suppose. So that's what, that's what we've learned. Thank you for listening to our first ever episode. Um, yeah. There's going to be more, isn't there? There's there going is going to be more. We're going to the next one. Then? The next one, and we're going to do a, a subject on brand safety because we've noticed something quite interesting over the last year, which is we've had some record numbers of people coming to the Guardian. So, fifty-three point eight million people came. Oh, that's right. You are good with facts, aren't you? Again, it's written down in front of me. The, uh, the 58, 53.8 million people came on the day of the US election. But what we're finding is more and more brands are staying away from that type of coverage because they don't want to be anywhere near main news. So um, we'll be looking into finding out what's changed. This time we're going to go a little bit further afield. Yeah, we might we might actually look for some experts beyond um, The Guardian, I think. I think that'd be only right. We should, we should ask that, otherwise it's going to get a bit one-dimensional, isn't it? So we'll approach this in the new year. Thank you for listening. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. <laughs>